That's the best E40 impression I can do. And it is episode 40, which means it's E40 when I abbreviate it, and he's the funniest rapper and underrated, makes me laugh, has good songs, what's not to like? Welcome back. I'm your host, Mike Zago. This is The Link Podcast, at the link underscore podcast. If you're not already following on Twitter and Instagram, what are you doing? And if this is your first time listening, sorry for coming in hot. I love you. Thank you for coming. But if it's not, you should already be following. And if you are, then thanks. A review wouldn't hurt, but we're not going to push it right off the bat. I will say, this episode is mostly about self-promotion in general. If you've been listening to the podcast over the past couple of weeks, I have mentioned that I started a second podcast. I have a background in sports. I worked at ESPN for a couple of years. I've worked in sports for a long time, and I've loved it my entire life. And yes, before you ask, I am awesome at basketball. My low post game is unmatched, and you can't do anything about it. I got up and unders for days, but that's not the point. I have been streaming live on twitch.tv slash MikeTheMush every weekday around 5 p.m. Eastern for an hour or so. I'm treating it like a live podcast, basically. It's unedited, and if you can't catch it live at that time, it goes on YouTube right after. You can search MikeTheMush on YouTube. First of all, I would definitely appreciate if you go on there, subscribe, follow me, create an account if you don't have one. It goes a long way, and I definitely prefer you to watch on there. It has video. I put up some nice Christmas lights behind me. It looks good. It sounds good. It feels good. It's definitely a different animal than this podcast, but I'm having fun with both, and I want to have the audience from both places listen to both podcasts because I'm putting a lot of work into it. So if you like sports, and even if you don't, there's a lot of fun arguments in this one, so I think you'll get something out of it either way. But if sports are your bag, this episode's going to be for you. I am pulling one of my episodes from the Mike the Mush show and putting it in here for you guys. So you can get a feel for what I sound like unedited, you can hear all the ums, how fun is that? But really you can hear me rant for a while, and I talked all about which league is my favorite among the four major leagues, in America at least, and we touched on a bunch of different things, and I went down a lot of rabbit holes, and I had a lot of backup, and this was just off the cuff ranting for almost an hour. But I really believe that the NBA is by far the best league around, so sorry to be a spoiler, but... That's what we're going with this week. And I have reasons why it's better than all the other leagues. I have reasons why I love it more. It's connected to me. It's deeply ingrained in my DNA. I love basketball so much. And if you like hearing me talk about anything on this podcast, which hopefully you do, you might enjoy this as well. So I won't go on forever. I want you to hear it. Before we get to the action, the outro this week will have a review of Ted Lasso. It felt perfect. We're doing a sports episode. It's a sports show. I really have enjoyed it. I just finished it. And you'll get my review with minor spoilers in the outro. So stick around for that. Follow me at the link underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Follow at Mike Mush Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Mike the Mush. Follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Mike the Mush. It really helps. I would love for people to tune in and chat with me live. That's why the live functionality of it is so fun. If we're talking about a topic and you have a take on it, you can jump in there. We'll interact on the fly. I'm even thinking about pulling people into my Discord channel, which I have created, which is on the Twitch page if you want to join it, so we can do audio calls, much like sports radio does. So I got a lot of plans. I'm really enjoying doing this, and I hope you enjoy it too. And, uh, what's left? E-40. I wear my sunglasses at all times. You don't just have to wear them at night. It's a great tune, but still, I gotta get glasses I can wear always. Doesn't matter the season, doesn't matter the weather. The look is stylish. I get compliments on my glasses, and I like compliments. But that's a topic for another day. Stay focused on the glasses.
Ambassador is the place I've gotten probably my last 10 pairs of sunglasses. I get a lot. I like a variety. I like colors. I like styles. Most of all, I don't want to pay an arm and a leg if I'm being honest. It's too many appendages. You go to ambassadorsun.com. And you know what I got for you? Promo code. We love promo codes. Enter promo code the link. T-H-E-L-I-N-K. Fill up your cart. Enter the code. You get 50% off your order at checkout. It's unbelievable. I know, some people like to knock off glasses because they're cheap. I get that. But you want to look stylish? I feel like a rock star in these things. They're really nice. And with the 50%, hey, you can get two for the price of one, baby. That's math. That's just math. Check them out. I got pics on my Instagram at the link underscore podcast. But go to the website, www.ambassadorsun.com. They now ship worldwide. Big announcement. Nice. If you're listening from Paraguay or Indonesia, you can get them. Oh, you can get them. And you'll get them 50% off with promo code the link. Go to ambassadorsun.com, get yourself some shades, feel like a rock star or a pop star, whatever you're into. And throw a comment on the social media. Let me know how you like them. I know you're going to love them. I just know it. I am coming off of sitting in hardcore New York traffic. Had to go to Brooklyn, which gave me the vibe for today, honestly. Traffic, no fun. Nobody likes it. But when I was in Brooklyn, I was thinking about all these reasons for what I'm about to lay out. And it just fed into the culture of what I'm going to say. Today, I want to talk about my favorite sports league. I don't want to recap box scores. We do that a lot. I don't want to look at standings or games. Um, And if you want to do all that every other day of the week, every weekday we're live. We have plenty of that. But today, I wanted to lay out something that I feel passionately about. Because I think the NBA is by far the best league around. Um, and I've had this argument argument with my friends a ton of times. It just, not only does basketball vibe with me more than all the other sports, but just as a league, objectively, I think they run it better in a number of different ways. I'm not necessarily going to bring up stats and financials and all that kind of jazz like I normally do during this stream uh, because this is more just about how I feel and I love to hear how other people feel. So if you're listening, comment either on the Twitch channel, Mike the Mush, or the YouTube, Mike the Mush, or uh, I might put this one at the link underscore podcast. I'm going to put it on the link podcast. So if you're listening there, I appreciate you. Go and follow Mike the Mush on Twitch and YouTube or at Mike Mush Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Trying to build up both things. Um, But basketball just means a ton to me and I want to fight for it. So I'll talk about a bunch of different sports. I'm mostly going to leave out MLS um, because it's just a second tier and soccer does fix some of the things that I will complain about in the other sports, but since it's so far and away not the predominant argument, at least in this country, uh, didn't feel relevant to take notes on or anything. And mostly I'm just going off the cuff here with what I think about. So if I miss some stuff, sue me. Or don't sue me. You know, it's too much money in litigation. I don't have a lawyer. But I also could talk about the NCAA, but the fact is uh, college basketball is loved by most people. College football, not quite as much. And I just think everybody knows that the NCAA is a trash organization altogether. They should be paying the players. That may be another Wednesday. 
when it's a light sports day or whatever day, maybe we'll do another one of these in podcast format and talk about how annoying the NCAA is. Um, they just rob the players blind and they're ripe with corruption and I just don't even feel the need to put them in this conversation. So, for now, we're mostly going to stick to NBA versus NFL versus MLB versus NHL. And to me, you got to put the NBA towards the top for a million different reasons. I don't even know where to begin, so I'm just going to go off the cuff and see what I can find. First, I acknowledge that the NFL is the mega power, right? So I'm going to try to find reasons why I think they're not uh, and refute that with points about the NBA. The MLB and the NHL are more regional. That's just a fact. I don't think anyone would argue that. It doesn't mean you like it more or less. It just uh, hasn't... Both of those leagues haven't done a great job of making the game and the league accessible on... uh, I was going to say a global format, but even national, they struggle a lot more. Um, So we'll get into that a little more as we go along, but... The top reason I like NBA is because it is a game unlike the NFL, unlike the MLB, and unlike the NHL. The game is the same one you play if I want to get five of my friends together. Hell, I could get three of my friends together. We could play a two-on-two. We go play pickup. It's the same game. I don't need to wonder why someone is doing a thing differently. Uh in one of the other games that I'm watching in a pro game. When I'm playing football, if we play pickup football with a couple friends, you're not even playing close to the same game that they're playing on Sunday, right? That goes without saying. MLB, there's just no pickup aspect to it, which is annoying. And I wish there was. And MLB is probably second on my list, so there'll be a couple of times throughout this where I probably will uh, give them some credit. Because I think they do a lot of things well, but they have their own issues too. And uh, the NBA has issues. I'm not saying it doesn't. Um, But it's definitely my choice. And and like I said, you can play it. You can understand. It's an everyman game. I am 5'10", 190 pounds, 185 on a good day if I weigh myself in the morning. And I have gone out there. In college, I played with some of the UConn basketball players, you know? And... I've played with some serious talent, and you can at least be in the same game. Even if you're bad and getting destroyed, you're holding your own generally, and at least comparable and playing. If I try to hit an MLB pitcher, it's just a joke. It's like, why are we even here? Even if I try to field a grounder at third base, what are we doing? You can't play in the NFL if you're 5'10 and don't have four flat speed you know like it's not possible and the nhl god i can't even skate so i mean you know there's a curve there too the nba you can at least relate to what these guys are doing so i think that's a really important point uh and also with the teamwork of it all too it's like i can understand how a pick and roll works right even if you're not a basketball fan if you're listening and you're like i don't know how pick and rolls work the player with the ball has someone come up to them and stand in front of their defender, right? Clear as a bell, so they can get space and go the other way, and then that player who stood in the way just goes to the basket, and they force the defense to try to decide who they want to guard while they're moving around. It 
you can figure that out when you're watching just as a fan, even if you've never played the sport. I can't necessarily explain how a pulling guard runs around and opens up a zone blocking scheme in the NFL, right? I can't necessarily explain how to wait on a curveball when it looks like it's going to hit you in the shoulder and then drops into the zone. The NHL, I have a hard time explaining offsides to people that don't understand what's going on. That one, at least you can understand the, the teamwork of quick passing and trying to find an open person. At least they have that. But basketball, you really can understand the plays that are run and the strategies that are used. I think that's really important to making the game accessible to more people and more interesting. And you can still get into like pin down screens and analytics and all that. It has it if you want it, but it's not necessary like it seems to be in the other sports. So I think that matters. Also, personability in superstars. The NBA has this in spades. Everybody knows who LeBron James is. And yeah, everybody knows who Tom Brady is too. The MLB, don't even get me started. They have no ability to market their stars. M Mike Trout is the best player that has played in maybe decades. And nobody even, you, a lot of people wouldn't even know him if they saw him on the street. It's insane. They don't even try, honestly, to market stars because the game is so regional. They've done a horrible job. Even hardcore baseball fans will say that they need to be doing better in a modern age. And they just don't do it. The NHL just, frankly, uh, isn't big enough, I don't think, of a fan base. Now, they have their own niche fan base, which is really rabid, which I actually really like about them. So they live in a smaller bubble, um, and it's split between the U.S. and Canada, so they have their own struggles. But at least they have such a strong team dynamic that I can give them a plus there, even if they don't have the absolute superstars like the NBA has. But the NBA, and I think this matters, actually, you see the players... You literally see them, you see their personality, you hear them talk. The NFL, you don't see people's faces. There's a helmet on. I, that sounds so silly, but I think it really matters in trying to get to know these people. Uh, the MLB, like I said, they just don't even make any effort to do it. You don't hear anyone's voice. I don't even know what Mike Trout sounds like, and I'm a huge, huge sports fan. I don't know if I would just know his voice if I heard it without any picture. Uh, and the NHL, they're wearing tons of pads and helmets and stuff like that, too. So I, I don't know if that's a negative for the other sports, because I don't know what choice they have. But the NBA has that going. It has some... You see them in a pregame when they come into the arena. They're wearing cool stuff. You want to see what they're wearing. They have style. They have a voice. The press conferences in the NBA are way more popular than any other game. If you watch TNT, or especially a playoff game, any national game really, but playoffs especially, you wait around. If you're a basketball fan, you watch, and I've talked about it with my friends a ton of times, about the press conference after, because you get to hear them actually speak. You get to feel like you know these people. And in the other leagues, it just feels like they don't care as much about that. Not that they can't do it. It's just they aren't giving the effort that the NBA is. They're tr the NBA, how hard is it to put a camera on the guy as he's walking into the arena to get the vibe of what the game is going to be like? It's not hard. Everybody can do it. And some of them copycatted the NBA and do it now. But they were definitely the first to do that. And it makes a difference to me. Also, those same stars that are more personable and have more of a voice... And we'll get into the social aspect of that all, too, because the NBA is light years ahead of the other sports when it comes to the NBA players 
actually being allowed to have an opinion and voice it without getting in trouble. In fact, it's encouraged most of the time. Uh, the Black Lives Matter thing, the Eric Garner stuff, the Clippers disaster with Donald Sterling, um, last year with the Bucks, all the race relation stuff, people deciding to sit out games, even Kyrie Irving, who if you don't like him, I understand, but he's sitting out games because he believes in a thing. Uh, the guy that played with Shaq at LSU, I forget what he changed his name to, so I apologize, and if I were editing this, I would look it up after. Uh, but Chris Jackson was his name while he was playing at LSU, and he left the league because and, and changed his name, and he just didn't believe in certain things, and it was something passionate about these players. And going back to Kyrie Irving, it's like, if he's your villain compared to the NFL villains who are murdering people and abusing women and still playing, not that it doesn't happen in all the leagues, but it's so much more prevalent in the NFL. And the villain in the NBA is just a guy that believes so much in in his social impact, uh, right or wrong, that he just doesn't want to play anymore because he's making this decision because he thinks it's bigger than basketball. That If that's your bad thing, it's way better than the bad things in the other sports. So not only do the stars have more personality and you get to know them better and they have more freedom to actually be a person. Uh, remember when Trump said shut up and dribble and everyone was like, what? And LeBron just took him to task and it was awesome. I don't see the fight back in the other places. And it exists, just not as much as in the NBA. They seem to, and the WNBA is really good at it too. They spearhead the social justice change stuff. And if that's too much for you, fine. But you have to at least acknowledge that it's cooler for the league to give them a platform to be a human being on top of an athlete. And like I said, in the NFL, I mean, you just have to deal with trash people a lot of the time. And the MLB, they just don't seem to have the voice. And the NHL, same thing. They just don't give them the microphone enough or the camera to make as much of a difference both on and off the court. So that's a little rant that I didn't plan on going on, but it's still true. And also in the NBA, those same stars have a huge, huge impact on the actual game. Now, this is where you can be on either side of the fence, right? I get how you might not like how much impact stars have on the NBA. But it leads to a lot of good things also. For me, and we talked about this in one of the previous streams, which you can find on YouTube, Twitch, etc. Mike the Mush on both of those. That there's so much parody in the NFL right now that everything starts to feel a little more random. Which some people like, because you have a shot, the any given Sunday thing. I get that. But I also like that at some point you want the best teams to be able to win somewhat consistently, right? I think that just has to be a thing. And without that, you get what we're going through in the NFL right now, which might not last the whole season, you know? And previous seasons, it's not necessarily true. But it, maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment here. But it's still true in the NBA. I just want the LeBron Jameses of the world to be able to go to the championship. Does that get boring for some people? I guess so. But when you look back in history... And we'll get into history in a second of all these leagues. I just don't understand why you want 
the worst teams to have a chance at winning the championship. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Whether it leads to dynasties or not, when the Warriors are dominating the league, I can at least go, well, yeah, they're better at the sport. Go figure out a way to adjust, put a good roster together to take them down. And it always happens. The windows always close. It's never forever. But in the NHL, for example, and their playoffs are great. Don't get me wrong. So maybe that's the wrong league to take to task, but more like the MLB, right? It feels like nothing matters. You just have to be hot at the right time. Were the Braves the best team in the league this year? No. We didn't get to see the Dodgers and the Giants in the World Series. And they lost. They deserve to lose. But there's something not as fun about that. Um, I just... Sue me. Again, don't sue me. I'm not a lawyer. If I want the best teams to be able to compete for the championship at the end of the year, that seems like what you want out of sports, right? Isn't that the whole point of competing? I just think that's way better. And the stars have a huge impact on the game, which you may or may not like. And it's the reason why stars get to move around different teams more often in the NBA, which I also kind of like. Because it makes the offseason interesting. And all these trades and all this insanity and free agency and people choosing where they want to go and... I don't know when that became a bad thing. Uh, I don't want to see stars stuck on an awful team. I don't want to see Mike Trout having to play for a subpar Angels team for his entire career and you never get to care about them. It's so boring to me. At least I know when a superstar goes to a team in the NBA, either they will be better, whether it's marginally or greatly, whatever, but at least they will have a huge impact on what's going on. And if they don't, then you know that maybe that was just a misstep and they weren't the superstar you thought they were. When Kawhi Leonard goes to the Raptors, they go to the championship and they win the championship. That, it's attainable to know what you're getting out of a player and improve your team accordingly. You don't get that in the other sports. Um, maybe some of that is because only five people play at a time in the NBA. And you get some of that with the NHL too. You can take over. The Connor McDavid's of the world can take over the game. And, and a ton more players, obviously. But in the NFL, there's just not, it's so much teamwork, which is a good thing. Like, I enjoy that. But it also lessens the impact of each individual player so much and forces so much what seems like unknown stuff going on to a casual fan that makes them win. Whether they have the right blocking scheme, whether the quarterback called out the correct defense and who the middle linebacker is going on. Whether they were prepared enough in the one week since they played the last time. There's so many factors to understanding what's going on in a given game. If you remove a center from an NFL team, half the people, even people who love the game, even hardcore gamblers, even fantasy players, they might not even know that center's not playing. And yet, sometimes the whole protection of the offense will be screwed up. And you're like, why does this team look so horrific? Like when the Bills lost to the Jaguars, their center was out. He's still on the IR. They didn't know how to protect anything. And Josh Allen on the Jaguars outplayed Josh Allen on the Bills because they just weren't ready. They didn't have the right scheme ready. That can happen in all leagues, but at least in the NBA, you remove one player, right? You still have the core of what they want to do. And you can easily adjust based on who your personnel are. I don't think it's as easy to do that in the other sports. So I enjoy how much impact the star players and one singular person. If someone goes for 50 in the NBA, you're probably going to win the game a lot of that time. If you can't stop that player, 
<clears throat> they are going to beat you down over the head over and over until you adjust or bring in a different personnel or change what you're doing in some capacity. I don't necessarily feel that. You can get it with quarterbacks in the NFL. It's, it's the closest you can get and pitchers in baseball and I guess goalies in hockey, but it's not every player. It's just like those players play this specific position that is so much more important than all the others. The NBA doesn't necessarily have that. It's just about your talent level. So I enjoy that. And if you view it as a negative, I guess we just don't relate on this. But when the best players can have an impact on the game and lead the best teams to winning championships, that's what sports should be about. That's how you build a good league. And it still stays competitive. And if you want to complain about the bottom teams being bad, then you can do that in every single sport. So there's no point in doing that. Uh, another point I had was coaching. Coaching is so important in the NFL. And coaching is so pointless in the MLB. And the NHL is somewhere in between the two. And I don't have a strong enough take on that. But it, it, it's not what the NBA is. I like that coaches don't decide exactly what's going to happen in a given game in the NBA. They can make adjustments. They can have some level of impact. Whereas in the MLB, it's like some coaches don't even manage anymore. The decisions for what the lineup is going to be and bullpen changes come from the GM on occasion. Uh, we're so far past managers having an impact on the game that it feels... I don't even know why they sit on the bench half the time. The NBA is a perfect middle ground. Because in the NFL, coaches have so much impact. They're actually calling the plays, and the play calls matter probably more than the actual talent on the field, honestly. And the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator, there's so much that goes into it scheme-wise that it's hard to figure out what you're watching. Because it doesn't necessarily have to do with, like, just go out there and be better. As we've seen, that doesn't always work in football. In the NBA, you get a good mix. I like that they don't fully decide the game. I like that there's not a specific play call for every single time up the court like there is in football, but they're not completely irrelevant either. The coaches still make the right substitutions. They have to deal with greater changes and adjustments at halftime, per se. Like, if you see that you're getting beaten badly down low, you have to adjust your defense. But you're not going to do that every single play. When someone posts up and scores against you, you're not going to immediately double them on the next play and keep adjusting and keep adjusting. You're going to wait, you're going to give it some context, and then you're going to make your changes as you get into the stretch run of the game. It seems perfect to me. So coaching matters, and I think that's an underrated thing that makes the NFL really complicated. Um, you can still watch it and enjoy it. It's still hype. But I think when it comes to the NHL and the NBA, there's such a perfect middle ground with coaching and strategy that you can both figure it out and appreciate it on a surface level. The NBA also is so much more of a global game than any of these other ones. The MLB does a pretty good job, and the NHL has Canada and Russia, basically. Um or at least those areas. And if I'm ignorant, then, you know, don't sue me again. But the M NBA has branded itself as the Global League, which I really enjoy. They've gotten huge in China. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. If you're not for the 
comments and support that NBA players and organizations have made for China. The only thing that I'll say is, and we're not going to get political here, but the only thing I'll say is there are fans in China that don't have to agree with the politics of their country to enjoy basketball. And I think it's important that the league still markets itself. And India, too, is it's really big there. It's big all over the place. Spain, Europe. You watch the NBA draft and you hear all these countries trying to come to the NBA, right? So if you don't like that they support a given country because of their political stances and relationships with the United States or elsewhere, just try to realize that there are innocent fans there that just like the game and want to see the game and it being brought to a global level is unequivocally a good thing not only for fans but for players there are players look at i don't know i'm not going to go ahead and list all the foreign players in the league but if you watch the nba draft and you pay attention to the rookies they're coming in from all over the place all over the place i have a Kristaps porzingis jersey from latvia i mean you don't get that anywhere else the nfl is popular nowhere except for the United States and maybe, I guess, Canada, Mexico, and I guess a little bit in, like, when they play the London games. But it's not even close to how the NBA is in other countries. Basketball is just more beloved there. The MLB has some level of uh, Latin American, Cuban, and Japanese fan bases, but they have leagues there that those people enjoy probably more. Um, and the NHL has... United States and Canada relationship, which is cool, but I, I wouldn't call it, they're at least not flaunting the fact that they are the global league, which the NBA is willing to do and is willing to put resources into becoming more than just your local neighborhood. That said, there is such a community and culture to the game of basketball and I brought it up before because I was in Brooklyn today. And you go to New York is just born and bred for basketball. I mean, you got Rucker Park, you got Madison Square Garden, you don't have the Barclays Center, they don't count, sorry. It is in the blood of people who like basketball to be like-minded with one another. There's such a sense of even something so silly like anyone who hoops like regularly and is interested in hooping generally doesn't wear their basketball shoes to the gym right they bring like flip-flops or slides even something so silly like that that's so irrelevant is just a nod to each other like this is there's a culture here there's a community to the players of the game that you really understand even wearing armbands or whatever it is anything there's just a hoopers culture that I don't feel in other things. Baseball has some of it. Baseball players can talk baseball and it feels like they're speaking Japanese sometimes to other people. I don't think football players or fans have that. You go to a football game and it's like, these are just a collection of random people that enjoy the same game. Uh, same with hockey. Hockey's, I guess, at least a little closer, but basketball just feels like if you hoop, you vibe with a person. doesn't mean you have to be friends or anything. It's just you understand the game on such a deeper level than fans of the other leagues. And I don't know if the NBA has aided in that or if it was natural and just led to watching the most popular league for basketball. But it definitely, definitely exists. 
there's something there. There's something to understanding how to dribble a basketball that everyone can have. And you can't exactly relate to how to uh, properly do a play action pass or throw a curveball or hit a cutoff man or try to do a one-timer slap shot. It's just the culture and the relatability go hand in hand for me. And also something about, you know, building on the culture thing, music goes hand in hand more with the NBA. Maybe that's why I love it too. Um, basketball and music go together perfectly. They play it during the games and there's a hip hop culture to it. And I can't think of any ties that those other leagues have to other art forms and mediums when it comes to culture. I don't think they do. Um, so I think that's important when it comes to feeling more attached to the game and to the league. Same way I talked about the personability of the stars in the league. This allows you to feel like you're part of something. And it's way bigger in college basketball, right? I'll acknowledge that. And college football. I've always loved UConn basketball because I went there. I feel like I am part of the team. I know that the New York Knicks do not care about me as a fan. There's no... There's nothing lost on me that I don't belong to the Knicks. I just like them as a team. And that's enough for me. Don't get me wrong. UConn basketball and college and whoever you like, you feel like you actually belong there. Not only because I paid tuition and went to the school and was peers with the players, but it just feels like way more of a sense of community. Now, the NCAA has so many issues aside from that that I won't count it, but there's something about the basketball aspect that counts to me. And so the community and the culture of the game, there's a picture out there, and I'll share it on the social medias at some point when this comes out, of Rucker Park and people literally sitting on top of buildings when pros came to play there to just watch them play. It's full. It's a magnificent photo. And I just don't think you'll get that in other places. You can get it in baseball somewhat, like old school baseball playoff games uh i'm thinking like camden yards and wrigley park and wrigley field i don't know why i said wrigley park and um in san diego they have the warehouse and left field and people standing on like hotel room balconies and stuff like you get some of it but not like the rabid fanship the nba has so there's that um how about the game itself having a two-person tandem that only exists in basketball and hockey, I think. Hockey, you can... F and hockey, not even as much because it requires the whole team to be... Um, to be really involved in the play. But at least on a breakaway, you can find the right spot and two people have such a chemistry that they'll work well together. But in basketball, it's unrivaled. If you get a big man and a guard, or even just the two-man game is a phrase that they use all the time for basketball. You can get such chemistry between players. When Dwayne Wade and LeBron James were doing alley-oops to each other all the time. When John Stockton and Carl Malone can run a pick-and-roll non-stop and dominate you every play because they work so well together and know where each other are going to be. When Derek Rose and Julius Randle... No, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to put the Knicks in there. You know, you gotta mention the Knicks once. I'm doing all-time 
pro basketball takes. Anyway, you get it. You can really view the chemistry between players. You can do it in the NFL with quarterbacks and receivers, I guess. But that's quarterbacks just break the mold. And there's 21 other starters on the team that don't necessarily have that chemistry. And if they do have it, it's not as um, available visually to a fan that is just watching and not hardcore grinding out film to take away takes. You can just see it when you're watching the game. That matters to me. Let's talk about history. Now, if you want to say which of these sports has the most rich history, um, it's baseball. It's America's pastime. I get all that. The problem with their history is they are so... They treat it as it's so sacred. And they, myself included, baseball fans and MLB fans specifically, treat the sport like the history is almost more important than the game now. And that stinks. You can't have both. Fans, especially older ones, are so attached to the records and the rules that it starts to get in the way of what we want in the game now, or at least what some people want, or at least what young viewers want. The game is long and slow, and old rules that don't need to be there anymore are still there, and anytime you add something new, God forbid I mention robot umps in my group chat, it's a three-hour argument. Even though it's just going to speed up the game and make it more accurate. Like, what's the problem? Uh, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but my point is... We're so addicted to the history of the game that I think it gets in the way of progress. While the NBA has never let that happen. They have a rich history. They ha You can go all the way back to before the league even started that people still talk about it. People talk about the ABA and the merger and all that kind of stuff that's interesting both on the court and socially. You have stars from a, t a long time ago. People talk about George Mikan, you know? People talk about Wilt Chamberlain and the Bill Russells of the world. And then you get to Magic and Larry and Jordan, and I'm skipping all these people. But you know it's star-driven, yes. But you still know the history without any question. But it has not gotten stuck. Yes, they all play in different eras, which makes it hard to quantify statistics sometimes. The league knows that for the betterment of the fans and the viewability and the um, globalization, you got to throw the stats out the window sometimes. Yeah, It's going to be hard for people to score 100 points anymore. Wilt Chamberlain might hold that for a while, you know? But that's okay. It's fine. Yeah, the three-point record is going to be dominated over and over and over. When we saw Ray Allen do it, we were like, oh my God, who's going to be able to do that? Then Steph Curry breaks it in 10 seconds, and I hate to break it to you, while Steph is the best, somebody's going to break that record again. And there will be rule changes that alter how we look at older teams and players and strategies, but that's okay. There's still a history that is strong while not getting in the way of progressing the sport forward. And that matters a lot to me. And I feel like while the history is strong in some of the other sports, the NFL has tried to change it, right? They have made a lot of changes that have changed the sport entirely. I just actually don't think there is as much of a rich history in the NFL as there is in the NBA. That might be a hot take, and maybe I'm just not as interested in it. Um, but there feel like lost eras in the NFL. 
like you can go back to the the Terry Bradshaws of the world and before that the Bart Stars and the Roger Staubachs and Joe Namath Super Bowl three and I I get it I get it but I can't think of as many specific examples that span the entire gamut of the league's history in that sport compared to the NBA and again you can't relate to those times as much um, because in the NFL the sport has morphed so much that it's almost unrecognizable from what it used to be at least in the NBA yeah they're shooting more threes and there's more space and maybe back to the basket power forwards don't exist anymore but it's still the same game you can understand why those adjustments happened. The NFL just feels like, oh, we changed the rules, so now you can't defend as hard anymore. So now it just doesn't look the same. It's just a track meet. Whereas it used to be, you know, run it 40 times in the rain and grind out a victory. Um, you know, maybe I'm off base there with how some people feel about it. But I just feel like the NBA has the most perfect mix of honoring their history while still progressing the sport and the league in a big way while still remaining the same sport that you've always watched and loved. Uh, it's a delicate, delicate balance, and I think the MLB really needs to shed that ball and chain that is their history and just get over it. People will still love Babe Ruth, and it doesn't matter. It's fine. As it is, Barry Bonds is the home run king. No one even wants to admit it. He was not even allowed in the Hall of Fame. And it, it'll all get passed one day anyway. People don't remember... Some people remember the number as as the premier thing for history but it's the player's career that matters and i feel like the nba has always had a better stranglehold on that than other leagues have so history is more up for debate than some of the other things but i think it matters and i think the nba has a good mix of those two things let's talk about the offseason the nba offseason in the past 10 years and credit to adam silver for this who has definitely the best commissioner in sports um gary bettman in the nhl is, is a second i suppose roger goodell i could do another three hours on how much i hate that guy soft on crime uh just money hungry working for the owners doesn't matter what happens no morale um yeah i just i'm not a fan of his and rob manfred just can't seem to decide what he wants to do with the league he's just seems soft and uh hasn't improved the things that obviously need to improve fast enough for me while adam silver is fearless he makes a lot of different changes he's in the spotlight he talks all the time the biggest knock on him is that he's got big ears big deal i'm not gonna call him dumbo although i was in dumbo today in brooklyn so it all comes together best commissioner has created this buzz in the offseason of allowing players to have somewhat of a say in what they're going to do, whether they're under contract or not. That is frustrating for a lot of people, but it, without any question, has made the trade deadline more interesting and has made the off-season moves, both in free agency and via trade, way more interesting. You have to be watching. The NBA trade deadline, stuff actually happens. The NFL trade line is like one deal and then it's over. Um, MLB trade line is trade deadline is interesting, and they do a good job in the offseason too. They have the hot stove stuff, the winter meetings. I'll, I'll, I'm letting them off the hook here, even though I just ripped them apart for their uh, addiction to history. But in the NHL, I mean, I don't know, and I know I'm ignoring it more than I should. It just doesn't feel uh, as relevant in this context. They don't have any offseason buzz, as far as I'm concerned. But 
the NBA is, is to the point where the offseason is almost as popular as the regular season. Which I guess some people view as a bad thing. And let's talk about how much the regular season matters. Because that's a big knock that people have on the NBA, right? They say, you play all these games. The best teams are just going to win. What is the difference? Well, the best teams will get to the end. That I'll acknowledge. But the best teams don't always win. Last year, it was foregone conclusion. I had this argument with so many people that the Lakers and Nets were definitely, definitely going to get to the championship. They didn't. So you don't always know what's going to happen. And even if that is the argument, what I always said to them was, okay, they so what? They have the best players and put together the best teams. Don't you want to see them play against each other? Isn't that going to be amazing? The NBA Finals is always, always without question awesome because you're getting these powers colliding. Um, so the NFL, the regular season matters too much, probably. I almost think like if you're looking at September football as the difference between a team making the playoffs and not, that stinks almost. So they go too far the other way. Although I get it a hundred percent. I totally understand the MLB. People have the same take that there's way too many games and unfortunately you can't go the other way both nba and mlb i would chop 10 games off of at least in the regular season if i could and the nhl the regular season really doesn't do anything uh we know for a fact that as long as you're hot at the end of the year you're golden in the nhl now here's what saves the nba in terms of regular season for me because if you hate on it i totally get it you don't want to watch it's a wednesday and the knicks are playing the magic and you don't care okay that's fine. Here's what it does have in the NBA regular season without question every single night in every single game. Highlights. And marketing based on those highlights. You will watch a game. If you watch the whole game, you will see an unbelievable play from either a top player, which is very likely, or even some random players that you're like, oh my god, what just happened? The dunk faces on the bench are the best. When someone dunks and they're like, oh, it's just, and then you see it all over social media. The internet goes ablaze, whether it's for five minutes or the entire night with highlights. What kind of, you don't necessarily get those highlights in any other sport as often. The NFL is so much more about who wins the game than it is a highlight play. You'll get some of them, but not every single night. Uh many many times across the league you got to keep up with nba highlights there's so many of them mlb there's nothing to really highlight unless it's a walk-off homer it's not a highlight game which is an unsung reason why the younger fan base is not enjoying it as much which is definitely quantifiable and i don't know if they can fix that that's just the way the game is um and the nhl has cool highlights they do they definitely do so i'll give them that but the NBA is like constant, non-stop. Once a quarter, you're going to get an amazing highlight or a highlight package. Uh, so I think that's underrated in this social media era and world where we have to acknowledge that this is a necessary way to build the game and the brand and build excitement and get people to watch. So if you think the records don't care and the you don't put stock in regular season wins against the Timberwolves in the winter, then okay. But you're going to get something out of watching that game, without question. And I don't necessarily agree with that take if you have it, but I'm okay with you saying it. I just think that it's overcome by the fact that it's just interesting to watch, which the NFL has also, but I've gone through their slew of issues. And the MLB, that's their 
toughest thing is like, is it actually fun to watch for people that don't love baseball? And it's just not. So highlights matter, offseason matters, trade deadline matters. NBA is just tuned into the internet, right? Like they're so much more savvy about being prevalent in the moment in this 24-hour news cycle world. They haven't left themselves in the past like some of the other leagues have. Let's talk about stats. The NBA has a perfect blend of easy statistics, points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, that matter, and also analytics that can work together but aren't necessary, right? The NFL is so hard to even get your hands on analytics that can have context and meaning for casual fans. It's not even possible. Uh, Pro Football Focus does an amazing job. There's a lot of websites out there that put together, even like yards per attempt numbers matter so much to me. And that's not even sniffing deep analytics of um, what each NFL team will do in each formation when they bring in two tight end sets, how often do they run to the right successfully? You gotta put in so much time, effort, and context and film study and subjective nature to get to all those statistics. In the NBA, you don't need to do that. The surface level stats are fine, but the analytical stats are also much more attainable. They have stats on how much a player has run on the court that day. You can get that for like shooters that are running off screens. And that's easy to understand. I get it. They ran that far. Um, even true shooting percentage is like, oh, if you just balanced how much they're taking dunks versus how much they're taking three pointers and getting free throws, like that's pretty much the percentage that you end up with true shooting. And I can explain that to people. Good luck trying to explain how war is calculated in the MLB. And it goes way further than that in the MLB. Like, way, way, there are insane statistics that I need to spend 20 minutes trying to figure out what they even mean before I can talk about them. And the MLB, while that can be a good thing, and I enjoy having it available, like I've said, for the NFL and the NBA, and NHL is not a statistical game, really. It's just really not, which stinks for them, but it's so context-based that it's cool to watch, um, but they don't have a dog in this race, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but the MLB has poo-pooed on traditional stats so much. If you look at batting average, you're like, ah, you plebeian. You don't know anything about baseball. And it's like, all right, that's like saying points per game don't matter in basketball. Like, they do. They matter something. You just have to have context. But the stigma in the MLB behind the, the difference of normal stats, quote-unquote, and analytics has become so gaping that it's just it becomes annoying to me and trying to explain it to casual fans becomes more difficult even slugging percentage in OPS it's like casual fans don't care how it's calculated they don't even there's nothing there for them um, whereas in the NBA you can you can quantify stuff a little more and still have it be explainable and attainable so the balance between the regular stats mattering and the analytics mattering and not needing to care about the analytics to get a lot out of the game. I think the NBA takes the cake there. Um, I don't know if I have any other things. I love LeBron James. So that counts for something. I think he's the coolest. I think when he retires, he will be unanimously considered 
um, if not the best basketball player, then the most important person in modern basketball history. Um, I'm not going to go off on a tangent on this, but I, I just think uh, he has taken the game from only caring about it when they're wearing the jersey to caring about it when they're in their sophomore year of high school and they're on the cover of Sports Illustrated and making highlight packages on SportsCenter. Um, he did that. There's no question that he did that, and it has continued. He changed the game forever. He speaks up a ton for the league. He's a perfect spokesperson. He's never gotten in serious trouble with the law. I mean, we didn't even talk about crime in the NFL. I touched on it earlier, but you got to be kidding me with how soft they are on criminals and how much they employ bad people. The NBA has some of it, but not nearly as much. And LeBron is such a, a beacon of uh, the right example for people. Almost the same way as Derek Jeter did. You, you kind of call him cheesy almost, and that's the knock on him. But you know what? If you're a cheesy good guy and that's your villain, as opposed to the NFL who has murderers on every team, then, okay, I'll take the cheese. Everyone loves cheese. So I think that matters, and I just wanted to point out LeBron's impact because I think it's more than any other star has on their sport and league and by the time he retires I think people will understand it a lot more I'm not going to say he's Muhammad Ali it's not to that level but I think he's closer to having such a social impact uh, on the game and changing the league especially with him changing teams like he spearheaded all that kind of stuff uh, the super team stuff love it or hate it he changed the game without any question who in baseball has changed the game right now um I don't know if there's anybody that I would really say did that. And in the NFL, you can give some credit to, I guess, the quarterbacks that have started, you know, Brady and uh, Manning and Breeze a lot that have started, like, putting up gaudy, gaudy stats and really taking the game into a downfield throwing thing. But that, to me, has m more to do with the rule changes of what the defense is and isn't allowed to do than it does with the play and action both on and off the field than NBA players like LeBron have. So go Bron. Uh, Hater's going to hate, but I wanted to put him into the argument. And Kemba Walker's awesome because UConn Huskies, we graduated together. He's a New York Nick now. It's all great. I mean, he got benched for rest when I went. You want to knock the NBA? I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Load management is really annoying. If you're going to go to a game and not see your best player all the time, that stinks. And the MLB has it built in with pitchers and stuff. And uh, that's at least fine because there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and the NFL is more of a warrior's mentality and the NHL is the best about this. They're gonna have a broken leg, you're gonna go see him. So if you wanna hate on the NBA, the one spot to do it is that they just rest their players more. And I think that's just gonna be a, something they're gonna have to figure out league-wide. Maybe they do go down to 72 games to avoid that from happening because I do feel like it's a problem. Um, so, I don't want to go on forever about this, but I really, really could. And if you have comments, I urge you to send them to at Mike Mush Sports on Twitter and Instagram, or come to the Twitch chat, twitch.tv slash Mike the Mush, or follow me and subscribe on YouTube, Mike the Mush. All of it. Put comments on the video. 
however you can, and I will definitely acknowledge them on stream so you can come back and we can talk about it more on one of the other days. We're live every weekday uh, around 5 o'clock Eastern. The schedule is on the Twitch page. We have a Discord that you can join, and we're going to do voice calls with people, almost like an old-school radio show would. Not old-school radio show. They still do it, but, you know, people don't listen to terrestrial radio that much anymore, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so there's a link to join the Discord on the Twitch page. You go to the About, and then you'll see the tab there. Join in that. And then if you have a cool take in the chat on Twitch while we're live, I can pull you into a voice chat and we can talk about it. So we have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of cool stuff. Still getting this thing rolling. I appreciate you for listening to me rant for longer than I figured this would go on for, especially with no real notes or statistics to play off of. But I think I nailed it. Basketball rocks. It's the best sport. It's the best league. Come at me. I want to hear your arguments for something else. I really do. Um, you know, it's just football that it has to tangle with, right? And, like, they're watering down their dominance of a single day. That's what makes it cool. Sunday football. Like, I get it. It's awesome. But Thursday night football is awesome. Awful. And what next? They're going to do Tuesday eventually, probably. Like, it's going to be every day eventually. They're so money-hungry that I think they're watering down the biggest thing that they have going for them. Monday night football stinks, too, compared to anything else. So, you're not going to get rid of it. But, um, I don't know. Just wanted to slip that in there. Anywho... It's been real. Might have sounded like we ended abruptly there. The only reason for that is because we do picks every single day at the end of the show. So if you're a gambler of any kind, or you're just interested in who's going to win the games, trying to predict stuff, maybe you're in an office pool for football or whatever you're in, we do picks every day. I cut it out because it wouldn't seem timely by the time this came out. But it's fun. Check it out. If you enjoyed this, follow me at www.twitch.tv slash Mike the Mush. That's where we're live as it unfolds. I would love for you to join the chat. Bring your hot sports takes in there. We can discuss them on stream. If you can't join while live, go to YouTube, search Mike the Mush, subscribe on there. It would be very helpful. Maybe give me a like on one of the videos. Maybe comment something clever or silly or nonsensical. I don't care. We can roll with the punches. At Mike Mush Sports on Twitter and Instagram. I'm liking the differences between the two podcasts. One is live, one is edited, so they have a different feel. You're missing some of the cool, silly edits, but you get some music in the background. That's fun. And you get a more natural vibe, and it's a little more ranty than this one is, probably. Sometimes. In any case, follow both at the link underscore podcast if you're not already following this one on Twitter and Instagram. Maybe eventually we'll do some interviews on there, too. Especially on Wednesdays. Wednesdays is wildcard day, so I generally pick a topic that I can really run through for the whole hour. Some other days we're doing weekend previews, weekend recaps, going through box scores, standings, schedules, etc. But we'll do some throwback stuff too. We got a lot going on, so stay tuned. Before we wrap this up, I said in the intro, I want to talk about Ted Lasso. And I've been doing some of these reviews in the outros, which I think I'm going to stick with. I'm trying really hard to have them not have spoilers in them, or at least not major spoilers, so that you can use this to either... Vibe with me if you've already watched the show, or use it as a recommendation tool for something new to watch, or listen to, or whatever it happens to be that week. This week it's Ted Lasso on Apple TV, and I'm going to do my best to go through the notes that I have. I binged both seasons, I'm caught up, I loved it a lot, and I'm going to go rapid fire thoughts for you. First of all, you include Scott Van Pelt for exposition to open the series, you got me. He's my favorite sportscaster of any kind. And he was like the opening scene almost, so I really enjoyed that. Perfect tie-in for the sports episode, by the way. Way to go. 
And this is a sports show, but it's not so sports-centric that you wouldn't like it if you're not a fan of soccer or anything like that. It's just the setting in which it lives. This does feel like a modern-day Major League series, if you've ever watched that movie, except, like, a family version of that. It just feels like that whole locker room vibe, the underdog team, the owner that is and also isn't on the side of the team, a little bit of sabotage, a little bit of intrigue, and just a look into the dynamics of the team itself. So I felt like there was some comparisons there to be made. There was a hilarious joke in the pilot about soccer being invented because they needed to stop boys from masturbating so they didn't let them use their hands. I thought that was hilarious. Bill Lawrence writes this. He wrote Scrubs and a bunch of other things. He doesn't miss. One of my favorite writers on TV, a legend, really, really underrated and great. And you can tell that it has his signature vibe to this. So if you like any of his shows, you'll like this one. Ted is just a wholesome, innocent character. Who knew that that could vibe and resonate with an audience this way in 2021? I feel like that is going by the wayside. Maybe it's because he's painted as the underdog right off the bat that it works. Maybe it's his honest, nice, dad jokey attitude. Uh, maybe it's the accent. Maybe it's the fish out of water thing. Maybe it came out at the right time during COVID when someone needed something to smile about. It just works. It's the perfect storm of all those reasons. As much as it's like Major League, it's also like a family version of Eastbound and Down on HBO, if you watch that, which was definitely not family-friendly. It was basically this turned up to 11. But I love all three of those. There's a lot of fun references to pop culture. I like that. In season one, they used the hot food turned honesty thing, like you see on the Hot Ones podcast, which I'm a fan of, where they eat really hot wings and then do an interview and you have to try to answer them. I love that because people can't hide their truth when they're eating super hot stuff. So that was a nice little trope and a nice little nod and a good reference that slips in there without being completely overt. Also, I really just want to go to a legitimate English Premier League match one day. It's a hell of a bucket list item. The chants are just so good. How do they coordinate so well? It's amazing. Gotta get there. This is a semi-spoiler, but it's early in season one and I don't think you're going to cry about it really. But in just one full episode and one phone scene with his wife and kids, they still made us feel so emotional during the breakup scene of Ted and his wife. How did they do that? How did they make us care so much in such little time? I guess that's the power of like a real quote-unquote good guy. And I guess that's underrated these days because usually they're either too vanilla to exist or all writers trendily want to paint all their characters in the gray areas, both black and white while Ted doesn't necessarily have a lot of that. It was such a heartbreaking scene in such a positive show and positive episode, and Bill Lawrence just crushes it. It's classic, classic Bill Lawrence dichotomy of playing the emotions against each other, and you see it a lot throughout this show. They keep you feeling multiple things so that both emotions become amplified. It's like the where do you think we are scene in Scrubs, and if you haven't seen Scrubs, ridiculous. You gotta go back and watch. And if you have watched Scrubs, you know the exact scene I'm talking about, and, uh... It's masterful. Amazing world building. I could cry, even thinking about that scene. Also, this show taught me the word for when you say a word too many times and it loses all meaning. Semantic satiation. Thanks, Coach Beard. A lot of random wisdom dropped in this show, too. I love that. Things to take with you. Jason Sudeikis did a little remix of the Allen Iverson practice speech. He must have been hyped for that. There's a lot of sports references as well as pop culture, which makes sense because it's a sports-based show. The soundtrack is unbelievable. They have some deep cuts that I really like. Vampire Weekend was in there. George Harrison was in there. A lot of different things that I loved. Soundtrack on point. Coach Beard singing Lady Gaga at karaoke is just exactly what this show makes you feel. It's wholesome. It's happiness. It's laughs. It's silly. Ah, that was so good.
Another thing I loved, there were accurate dart rules in the episode where Ted plays Rupert in the pub. Attention to detail for a sports show is crucial when you know that sports fans will inevitably watch the show. They even had the bartender announce 180, the same way they do during pro matches if you've ever seen those. They might have played like the best dart throwers on the planet, but at least the foundation of it was real. Probably no one cares about that but me, but here we are. Speaking of which, Anthony Head plays Rupert. He also played Giles in Buffy the Vampire Slayer back in the day, who was arguably the best character on that show. Although it was probably Spike for the real diehards, but you know, Giles was awesome. So it's awesome to see him in another ultra-popular show after all these years, and he looks great, honestly. Higgins plays the stand-up bass, another perfect attachment for me to this show. I thought it was interesting that they had Ted drink a lot in this show, but not be the alcoholic coach trope that you see 900 times, so that's cool. Logistically, they did a good job of making the match scenes fun without actually showing too much of the actors playing soccer, which is really important. That could get ugly really fast. The more they show the matches the more it shatters the suspension of disbelief. But you also need some of that to remain true to what the show actually is. It's about a soccer club. So they walked that line pretty well. I do wonder how this show would have been to watch week to week in real time. It felt perfect for binging since I was late to the party, so I can't compare to the other, but if you want to binge it, it's really good for that and you'll fly through it. There was a lead tasso scene. I don't want to spoil it, but I want to believe that it was all improv from Jason Sudeikis and the real challenge there was just not breaking because it was hilarious laugh out loud funny there was a Christmas episode in season two fantastic apparently season two caught some heat for having some filler episodes and I think it came out in the summer so people didn't love that the Christmas episode was there but I feel like they pulled it off really well holiday episodes are generally a freebie but when it's already a feel-good show on a regular basis and has to hit on the wholesome aspect for a Christmas episode it can be hard to elevate to that when you're already really wholesome all the time. This nailed it. I'm a sucker for an alternate intro also, so the Christmas episode nailed that too. I really loved it. I was surprised to hear that some people didn't. Another one that got mixed reviews, I was waiting for a Beard-centric episode since midway through season one. Coach Beard is a fascinating, deep character. It didn't disappoint. Brendan Hunt is his name, the actor. And he and the writers bring so much to the table with him that it's this mysterious yet original and all his own thing. I don't even know how to describe him. So just getting a quick glimpse into his day away from the team was a perfect morsel and not too much. There's really just an insane number of jokes that don't need to be told by the main characters, which sounds weird, but it's true. There's plenty of those too that are actually told by the main characters, of course, and a lot of puns and all that kind of stuff. But at some point in the background, they're talking about Richmond getting curb stomped like Ed Norton in that movie. And the other talking head on the TV goes, Moonrise Kingdom? Which is just a great joke comparing American History X to another Ed Norton movie about a Boy Scout troop. And that was just in the background on a television while someone else was talking. It was really good. Subtle. They make it feel like an Easter egg even when they're obvious. Of course the main character has his brand of humor, but they're able to slip in other brands of humor in the background or through situations or other characters. So it's great. You get a lot of variety. It's well written. It's well rounded. Brendan Hunt is also a writer on the show, which is awesome, which makes a lot of sense now that I'm pumping him up so much. In that same episode, we also got more of the three guys in the bar, so that was some fun lore and backstory. I loved it. An episode of Ted Lasso without Ted Lasso, and it ended up being one of my favorites on the show. Different, bold. I love slice-of-life stuff. People call them filler. I don't think that's necessarily filler. I think you're just getting to see a different angle. The double confession episode, if you know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to spoil it, but it was amazing, super emotional. This show has such a wide spectrum of emotion that it can handle and excel at, both comedically and 
otherwise. Jason Sudeikis has such a grip on this character. He can handle a lot. He does both sides of him really well. It's very deep. It's very intriguing. You want to learn more about him. You want to be his friend. At first, I wanted to compare him to like a smarter but equally goofy Michael Scott kind of character. But actually, it's just disrespectful to both of them to need to compare them. They're really both amazing. And I think will live on, at least for me, for a while. I'm a big fan of season one of any show or like first albums or first things. But I zoomed through the entire thing, and I don't think season two was much worse than season one, really. I think they had the same vibe. I'm hopeful for season three, which I think might be the final season, even though that sounds weird. Season one kind of set the tone, season two set up this grand finale, and season three could bring it all home tight. I don't know if it's a show that needs to go on forever, but it's definitely one of those shows that just feels like home. That you can go back to and watch and feel comforted by in a lot of ways. For my money, no one writes those shows better than Bill Lawrence. I can't praise him enough. I highly recommend it. I'm about as far from an Apple user as you'll find, but sign up for the trial or get someone's login, thank you Chrissy, and knock it off the list. Hard to imagine you'll regret it. Also, for what it's worth, my favorite characters are probably Coach Beard, Sam Obasanya, and Phoebe, Roy Kent's niece. I love how they never have to point out her parents or anything. They just have this awesome relationship that stands on its own. And of course, Ted, but the whole cast is just perfect together. Also, Danny Rojas! Classic. I could go on and on, but I'll stop. I got through this mostly spoiler-free. Hey, I can't believe I did it. I shouldn't say A, I should say ooh, because it's episode 40. E40. Before we wrap that up, we got to give you a secret code word that you can post on Twitter or Instagram at the link underscore podcast, or you can text it to me or post it wherever you want. Let the people know that you watched all the way to the end, through the end, and something else the end. I can't think of another word for it. And the people that gave up early, for shame, you don't get the secret code word. You just don't get it. And this week, it's going to be wanker. Has to be. If you watch Ted Lasso, you'll get it. If you didn't watch Ted Lasso, go watch it. You'll come back to this and go, ah, good secret code word. I get it. Wanker. W-A-N-K-E-R. We are cultured. You never say the Link Podcast isn't cultured. They always tell me that. Anyway, that's a wrap. We will be back next week with a more standard version of the podcast. But I was excited to bring this one to you. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll see you then. Peace out.